Welcome to the Rise and Thrive Podcast. My name is Liz Paris. And I'm Christina Cyphers. We're sisters. And we have been on a journey to get unstuck in life and learn tips, tools, and techniques to find more success, love, and happiness. We want to share what we've learned with you to help you move from surviving to thriving. All right, welcome back to Arise and Thrive. Today we are thrilled to have Matt Townsend. He is uh, just an amazing guy. I've heard him speak on several different levels and I just love hearing him. He worked for Franklin Covey for quite a few years and helped them develop some teaching methods that they still use. And he has founded the Townsend Relationship Center. He is uh, an expert in his area of working with relationships, communication, conflict resolution. He has helped thousands of clients ranging from individual married couples to large corporations like CNN, um, Cox Communications. Um, In the past, he's worked with big companies like American Express, IBM, Honda. I mean, this guy has been around the block. He has (laughs) helped so many people. Matt, welcome today. We are so excited to have you. Thank you. Yeah, welcome. Christina, thanks for having me. This is an honor. Yeah. So um, today we have asked Matt to join us. Um, we know that a lot of us are, well, all of us are a little bit higher levels of stress than we normally have been in the past with this COVID-19 going on. We're concerned about our health of our loved ones, financial stressors. We've got our kids home. We've got, you know, working from home. We're just trying to balance a lot of balls right now. And this can actually take a big a big hit on relationships, especially in our marriage relationships. And so, yeah. So Matt, today, um, we would love to hear your, your best advice for our listeners on how to build relationships during this time, rather than let that downward spiral happen of breaking down relationships. So we'll turn the time over to you. (laughs) Thank you. You know, um, it's, isn't it interesting? We, we thought our relationships were awesome. You know, and then then this pandemic hits and now all of a sudden we got to be with each other all the time. And we're starting to find out that that's really hard. So a little bit on my background that might actually help everybody is um, I, so I worked for Franklin Covey, used to travel the country. I have a master's in conflict resolution. And then I have another master's in human development, which is how we grow and we change. And I have a PhD in human systems, which are the patterns that we create together. And so I was doing all of that, getting those, that, that education. And then on the side, I start, I thought it would be fun to start mediating divorces. Uh, Like what could could get interesting? Wow. (laughs) Like that would be fun. And then I realized, no, that's, that's hard. Those people are really not liking each other. And so one of the things that I found though, is um, as I would sit with the couples, I noticed that, and you'll see this during this time that you're quarantined with your family, you'll see it everywhere is that mm-hmm. we, we all of a sudden when you're with somebody, you start to see what I call smoke appear when there's conflict. And the smoke are the little things that we fight about. Like, why did you, why didn't you put that away? Why don't you uh-huh. put, just go put that away? Like, instead of just leaving it there, put it away. And so mm-hmm. then we argue, I put it away last time. You, you always get it out and I always put it away for you. So now we're arguing about who put it away. The and I call stuff. that the smoke yeah. because you know the fight isn't about who put what away. Um, one time I had a couple come in and she had just bought a $400 purse 
And the husband thought that's ridiculous. <laughs> Nobody needs a $400 purse. So she said, it's not a purse, it's a bag. So they started arguing about purses versus bags. And then he said, I don't care what it is. Nobody needs a $400 bag. Then she said, oh, really? How much was your golf bag? And then they started fighting about a golf bag. And then he started arguing that he needed the golf bag because he put like $2,000 worth of clubs in that bag. And um, then she got really sad and said, you always did love golf more than me. And the fight just took off. And as I sat there watching it, I started wondering, so what's the issue? What are we fighting about here? Is it, yeah. about, is it about money? Is it about purses? Is it about bags? And what I found is it's never about what you're arguing about. So mm-hmm. if you want to build a relationship with the people in your lives, don't chase the smoke. The smoke that is going to come up in the middle of an argument, in the middle of a disagreement. Some people build a lot of smoke. Some people have, um, they, they actually don't, they don't stay in the smoke very long. They create smoke and then they run from it. And mm-hmm. some people stay in the smoke and they just fan it and make it bigger and bigger and bigger. So think about yourself when it comes to conflict, are you one that the minute the smoke arises, do you try to bail and get out? That is about 70% of the men do that. <laughs> 70% of the females actually stay in and fan it a little bit. And they try to like, they don't mean to smoke it up, but they're chasing all these issues and they want to talk about it. So I can see those tendencies for sure. Yeah. With men and women. Yeah. And, it, and some of it is just because we, we are, we're wired differently. We're wired. Women have more neurons to communicate. And so they're wired to communicate so that they generally want to talk to progress. Getting in there. Getting Get in, in the there. Action. Let's start having this conversation. <laughs> men generally are more wired to fight or flight. So mm-hmm. because they don't want to fight you on this because fighting is scary for them because mm-hmm. they can hurt you. So yeah. they tend to flight. 70% of the time, men will just run. But here's the problem is whenever there's smoke, there's got to be a fire. And if you're not dealing with the real fire, um, then you end up only causing more and more issues. So the number one tool I teach everyone I can is don't chase the smoke. Notice it because whatever you're fighting about is telling you that there's a fire and we need to now get down to the fire. And I teach that the fire are what I call the seven basic needs. Great. So this is how to get down to the fire, right? This is how you do it. So what you have to look for is the deeper issue. And the deeper issue is usually an identity issue. It's an issue that is about, it's about your survival usually, right? It's about um, the core basic needs. And if you remember taking any psychology in college, you learned from Abraham Maslow about the hierarchy of needs. And there's mm-hmm. always basic needs that need to be met. And once the basic needs are met, we can meet to the higher needs and move to the higher needs. So here's basically what happens. The, there's seven needs. The seven needs spell an acronym that I use that's called STARVE. When these needs are not met, we feel starved. And when we're starved, I'm going to starve you. Starve people, starve people. So if I'm <laughs> not having my need met, I will fight you about purses. If I'm not having a need met, I will fight you about golfing. And then I'll wonder if you love me. And then I'll, I'll start to conjure up more issues about it. So here are the seven basic needs. Basic need number one, safety. S stands for safety. If you want to be in a long-term relationship with somebody, you both must feel safe. If you want the relationship to be open and fruitful and, and productive, we have to feel safe with each other. There that has means, to be a level of trust, right? Is yeah, that no, by the way, the trust is the part? second need. Oh, okay. 
and I distinguish them, right? So I say safety is I need to feel physically safe so I know you're not going to hurt me. Okay. I need to feel socially safe so you won't embarrass me. I need to feel emotionally safe so I can share what's in my heart. I need to feel financially safe so I have enough money. And I need to feel spiritually safe so we have the same value system. When I have those needs met, I feel safe. So the couple fighting about a purse, I'm going to bet it's about financial safety. Yeah. <laughs> For him, he's not financially safe because she spent $400 on a purse. But I'm going to bet she has another need that's not being met. So he'll argue safety, but instead of talking about safety financially, which we could get in and solve, we um, end up arguing about golf clubs. Mm -hmm. So it's... That's the problem with this. And then once we start arguing, it always ignites our fight and flight response. And then fight or flight, no one's thinking anymore. And we're starting to just fight, run, or chase each other. So the first basic need is safety. Second basic need is trust. If we want to be in a long-term relationship with each other, I got to trust you. I got to trust two things, basically, that you have the character to do what you say you're going to do and that you have the competency to know how to do it. A lot of times in our marriages, when we have a trust issue, it could be character. Like, I don't trust your honesty. You just lied to me. Mm -hmm. Or it could be your competency. I don't think you know how to talk to me. Uh-huh. And if you don't know <laughs> We how lack to talk skills, to me, right? That's it. It's the skill that you lack. And so what's cool about that is sometimes a trust issue is scary in a marriage, right? Because it's like such a big deal. But yeah. competency can be trained. Character is a little harder to work on and train. But, um, so you, but you need both. It's not enough to just trust your doctor's character but not their competency so until mm -hmm. you find the doctor with both character and competency you have to keep looking for second opinions third opinions fourth opinions so there's a great quote by stephen m r covey that says low trust cultures pay a high tax mm -hmm. low trust relationships take more work to make them happen you have to exercise more work so if yeah there's a lot of cost trust, it changes everything doesn't it mm -hmm. once, once we're safe and i can trust you we could probably talk about anything. Another basic need is, do I feel appreciated? Everybody wants to be appreciated differently. Some of us want to be touched to know we're appreciated. Some want uh, more talk. Some want time. Some want um, just, you know, the five love languages, basically. Some of us are what I call seers. My wife's a seer. She feels most loved when I'm vacuuming. Totally. <laughs> I don't understand. But I'd, I'd rather be touched and I'd rather have positive talk. She'd mm -hmm. rather see that I'm helping and working and happy. And she'd also rather that I'm present and attentive and in. So she's uh -huh. what I call a sensor and a seer. And I'm a hearer and a toucher. So everyone wants to be appreciated. So if anybody's fighting about uh, intimacy, if anyone's fighting about um, who does the housework, if anyone's fighting about like things about who initiates sex, who initiates intimacy, stuff like that, that's probably an appreciation issue. Right? So now we have safety, cool. trust, yeah. appreciation. R stands for respect. Do you respect me? Do you revere me? Do you hold me up as somebody valuable and important? The next need is validate. Do you know how to validate me? Can we disagree, but still make sure that the other person still feels valid and whole? Or do I have to put you down? Uh-huh. What's the difference between validate and appreciate? That's interesting. So uh, validate is, um, validate actually is a communication skill. Validate allows me to make you feel valid and whole without me, even if I disagree with you. 
Mm-hmm. I may not, um, I may not understand where you're coming from and I may not even agree with you, but you can still be valid. Just help me understand where you started thinking that way. Why do you, why do you think, why do you think, uh, we need to open the, why do you think we need to open businesses so quickly? And, and let me explain to you why I think we need to, whatever, uh, make sure we're all tested first. We can both yeah. have valid opinions. Now, the difference with appreciate is I don't have to, I don't have to appreciate your ideas. Uh-huh. They can still be valid. I don't have to honor them as true, but appreciation is also a, an indifferent need where every human being needs to feel like their value is going up in life, that, that I am wanted by you enough that you are willing to invest in me, not even just my ideas. Validation to me is more about my ideas appreciation Mm -hmm. is more about my needs, my wants, my desires. And the cool thing about the two is um, once you start to distinguish them, there's actual skill sets in each one of them. There's the love languages, for example, in appreciation, but in validation is communication 101. Uh, I remember, in fact, I was in a plant in Biloxi, Mississippi, and I walked out and it was the muggiest place I've ever been in. Just Uh middle of August. And I'm like, oh, this is so muggy. And a guy behind me said, this is nothing. Try Vietnam. <laughs> I just went wow. I just down like, I'm good. I'm yeah. good. Now, all he had to do to validate me was just understand I'm different and yeah. step in and try to understand. So all he would have had to do is recognize I'm not from there. Yeah. Walk in so someone can... else's shoes for a minute, right? right. You're not Meet from where they're at. From. I'm from Utah. Utah's arid. No wonder you're dying here. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then and then what's cool is once I once he knows and he can validate that I'm different and good, not weird, then I'm interested in Vietnam. So did you go to Vietnam? Is that is that worse than here? Oh yeah. Yeah. And now we can share our ideas. So once so we have I think is oh, go ahead. is validating validating has to do with hearing the other person. Well, hearing hearing and, and basically trying to find the valid truth okay. in what they're saying from their frame of reference. Uh, okay. So the it background. See, what we tend to do is try to find everything from my frame of reference. Mm-hmm. But what I need to do is literally step in your shoes. That is actually what empathy is, right? Is to get within the path of another, get within the pain or the sickness of another, and try to understand it from within their frame. And so to validate somebody is a really cool skill. But think about it. In your relationships, do you feel safe? Do you, and do your, does your partner... Do you feel like you can, you're trusted? Do they feel trusted? Do you feel appreciated? Do they feel appreciated? Do you feel respected? Do they feel respected? Do you feel validated? Do they feel validated? The, the sixth need is do you feel encouraged? Encouragement is the idea that I'm your cheerleader. Do you feel like your partner is behind you cheering you on? If your partner is always complaining that you're never there, mm-hmm. it might be discouraging to them. It, or if they always say you're so negative, everything you talk about is negative. So the negativity content would come in around encouragement. Are you a light or a critic? What is it that they feel from you? So, and by the way, encouragement's a really cool word too. Encouragement uh-huh. comes from the root word courage, which comes from the Latin word core or the French word cur, which means heart. To encourage somebody, it was never initially used to mean you were brave. It meant you had the ability to get in the heart of another. You wanted and and to defend the heart of another. I would actually encourage your dreams, encourage your goals and support. And get to the heart of what 
what someone else's yeah. what's at the, the heart of someone else's heart yes. their purpose <laughs> their kidding. passion yes. their dreams their goals I so, love that. In, so safety trust appreciation respect validation encouragement and last but not least is dedication do you show that you're dedicated to me are you more dedicated to me than any other person place or thing are you more dedicated to your job or are you more dedicated to me and so um, what the, like if I'm arguing with you and that might be, if you notice in that story I gave at the beginning, the woman with the issue about golf, her starved issue is probably dedication. You are more <laughs> committed to golfing than me. Yeah. You put down my purse, but you'll put $2,000 in the clubs. So you love golf more than me. And so notice, so what we're fighting about and a better conversation in the end would be about his need for financial safety and her need to know she, that her husband's dedicated. And so when you're listening to the yeah. people around you, don't just listen to what they're saying. Listen sometimes to what they're not saying. Listen to what is the words they aren't saying, but what is coming out in the conversation, which is usually a safety, a trust, an appreciation. It's one of these deeper starved needs. And yeah. by the way, you guys, this is the craziest stat I've heard lately is that if, the, if these needs aren't met, we start to have attachment issues. So we become either anxiously attached to people and we want to control them or we tend to detach and we don't need anybody. But what they're finding out right now is the millennial generation, about 50% of millennials have attachment issues. They wow. really struggle feeling safe, trusted, appreciated, respected, validated, encouraged, and dedication. It might be one reason why the generation's marrying a little later. It might be why they don't trust institutions. It might be why they're, they're struggling a little bit to just make basic commitments that a lot of us used to make. And so it's really powerful once you can start to see that it's not about what you're talking about. It's about these basic needs and then bring those up and soften. And if you can actually just identify, man, honey, when you talk about me putting away this stuff, it sounds like it discourages you when I don't leave, when I just leave my stuff out. Tell me more about that. And then if they can just calmly tell you, then, um, then we don't have to turn it into a fight or flight that's not going to go anywhere, that doesn't matter. That's so good. And also going along with what you'd said about the millennials and just people in our time, I think connection is a really hard skill for people totally. to, to yeah. get into and be really good at. And, I, and as I've read about that, it even can cause the addictions and oh, yeah. other behaviors and things like you're saying, the, the unhealthy attachment, the yeah. over right. stressing and worrying. And so, yeah, that's, that's powerful. This connection and meeting these seven needs. This is actually like the guidelines for how to meet those needs. And, and yeah. maybe we're not good at one of these areas. So then that's we can. Right. But we some can of us, some of us in. may have even brought from our childhood an emptiness in feeling safe. If yeah. you came from a family that didn't have any money, you might always be more financially unsafe. And then that would be a really powerful conversation to have with each other that a lot of times when we're fighting, you're not fighting with me as a 50 year old man. You're fighting with me as a 12 year old boy whose parents uh -huh. divorced and I didn't have what I wanted. The patterns that yeah. we brought into the marriage, right? right? And so what's cool is if you can almost just allow the first wave of emotion to go over you. And I almost suggest like you turn sideways and let the wave go over you then face the world and take it on two or three steps in. And then when the next wave comes, turn a little bit, let it go over you and face and move on. 
it's every conversation has a past, a present, and a future. So how I talked to you yesterday determines how I will end up talking to you today and how we'll end up talking tomorrow. So our ultimate goal with communication isn't just to talk and it's not just to share, it's really to create meaning. Meaning is always created through, and the symbols that we live are always created through our interaction. And if we have a habit of always interacting negatively or fighting and flighting, then our symbols inherently start to take on a negative meaning. That's a scary space to be in, that, that negative is. meaning. Yeah. And then it's like, what's the purpose? What am I fighting for? Yeah. What am I trying to keep together when it's that, always that's it. that? Have you ever noticed that sometimes you feel like it doesn't matter what you say, it's always wrong. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't matter how we do this. It always turns sideways. And so if you start to notice that, you don't have a topic problem. You have a pattern problem. Some mm -hmm. couples struggle because they can't talk about a subject. But a lot of couples actually just have a pattern of how they talk that doesn't work. To never getting to resolving the yeah. real issue. Yeah. And if you have that, that's it. just no, that's normal. Everything I'm talking <laughs> about is normal. Oh, normal. good. We're normal, Christina. That's right. <laughs> Woohoo. <laughs> yeah. So this is all normal, right? Like this is... This is normal conflict resolution problem. This is totally normal. But if you're struggling with it, that won't, what's normal doesn't necessarily usually equate to long-term relationship. Your fight or flight instinct is not to create long-term love. It's, it's to make sure healthy. you don't get killed by a mountain lion, right? Yeah. So they're different goals. So if we allow too much fight or flight to come in, then we're actually just kind of running on natural man or automatic patterning instead of kind of transcending ourself and becoming our best self. And using what would really work to help enhance the relationship. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cause it's part of it is we all know, like I have so many times I'll have couples come in and we know that they know what to do. Like if I ask everyone right here, what's one thing you know you need to do better and more consistently and more effectively in your relationship. And you know, if you did it, it would make your relationship so much better. Okay. Yeah. So everyone can go get an idea. Yeah. Talk but, less, listen more or whatever. Great <laughs> but the funny thing is we don't do it. Mm -hmm. So we all know what to go do, but we just don't do it. And yeah. what that usually means to me is that we have what's called a dueling commitment. We're committed to two things. We're committed to our marriage. I want to make it better, blah, blah, blah. But I also don't, I need a break. I don't want to, I don't want to have to work. Love mm -hmm. shouldn't be this much work. Love should be natural. Love should be easy. Like childbirth. Right? <laughs> childbirth, super easy. <laughs> like, think about that. Nothing, nothing more natural than childbirth, but nothing on earth could seem worse to me. Like <laughs> that is the hardest thing I can imagine. But we think, we think natural things are easy or should be. Mm -hmm. They're not. So we should be willing to work for what is important to us, uh -huh. right? And yeah, getting yeah. out of that, just sticking with the old patterns and kind of defending ourselves almost yeah. with where we're at. Well, and by the way, we defend because we're in fight or flight, right? So the defense is our technique to protect ourselves is by fighting and flighting, we never have to go deal with this. And by not dealing with it, we don't have to deal with our deep fears and I don't have to deal with your deep fears. Because it's our deepest fears we don't want to deal with. We'd rather fight in a way that we both know how it will go 
because it's very predictable. (laughs) You'll chase me. You'll corner me. I'll get mad. We'll blow up. We'll both go away. That's the pattern. And nothing's resolved. (laughs) And and, and nothing's resolved. And yet, you know, six days later, one of us will want intimacy. We'll start talking. We'll get back together. We'll do it again. Chase, chase, blow up. And we just do it for years. But after 20 years of it, you're no more intimate. You're no more close emotionally. Mm-hmm. The way that if we can just slowly face each other and not pursue, but calm down and have the other one not run, but talk mm-hmm. and have this one start to listen, it can create some powerful intimacy. This is terrific, Matt. Thank you so much. This is so powerful. There's so many truths in here and so many tools. So um, I just encourage the listeners as they listen to this to go in and and listen to those seven areas and decide, okay, which area yeah. do yeah. I really need to work in? What would really help me in my relationship? Yeah. Where are they? And by the way, you'll know because your partner tells you all the time. <laughs> all you have to do is think about what their biggest complaint of you is and then go connect it to one of the starved issues. And <laughs> Perfect. You'll, you'll see it all the time. There it is. There it is. And then by the way, a really cool thing to go do is just go tell your partner, I listened to the podcast. I learned this cool thing. And I'm probably starving you a little bit in this area. And I just want to apologize and tell you I wanted to be better at that. And wow. Don't, don't be like, <laughs> Yeah. Where'd she come from? Or where'd he come from? (laughs) Could you review for us and for the listeners one more time what each starved represents? So the first one was safety. Safety is S. T stands for trust. A stands for appreciation. R stands for respect. V stands for validation. E stands for encouragement and D stands for dedication. Starve stuff. Awesome. Those are great. And we'll also put those in the episode notes for the podcast so that everyone can go back and look at those. And I like what you brought up about just think about what your partner, you know, is always saying about you and wanting you to change. And I'm sure if we did a little bit of reflection, we could figure that out pretty quickly. And remember, and, and they make you don't have to use my words, but just understand that if somebody doesn't feel one of those needs, they're gonna show you. So you don't have to go tell them it's encouragement, but if you can understand that they need more encouragement because they say you're always so negative, then it's an encouragement issue or it could be an appreciation issue. They want to be more appreciated. And so if you'll just just start doing it, um, the words don't have to be exactly their language. We don't need to change their language. We just need to increase the understanding. Excellent. Terrific. This is so powerful. So tell us, you have a book that includes these seven basic needs. And what's the name and how can they find that? It's called, there it is, Starved Stuff. Feeding the Seven Basic Needs of Healthy Relationships. They can get it on Amazon. It's about a 400-page book, and so it's a lot. But inside of it is, um, there's there's worksheets where you can stop and build a plan for um, the starved stuff. What I teach is what are called four courses to feed the starved marriage. A course on character, a course on communication, a course on cooperation, and a course on change. And what we teach is there are about 42 skills in the book for how to create better character, better communication, better cooperation, or companionship, and better change. 
and what, it's, it's basic tools. And then we have an online workshop they can go do. If you go to matttownsend.com, you can have a 12 hour workshop where you and your partner can sit down and watch the 12 hour workshop together. You get workbooks, you get everything. This is so good because in a, in a world where we want things quick or we want a quick fix, a lot of times people will abandon their marriage or abandon yeah. the problems yeah. instead of facing it and really working through it. And so this gives them the tools to be able to do that. Thank you so much, Matt. Thank All right, Matt. So be before you go, we'd love yeah. to hear a little embarrassing oops moment that you may have um, just to help us relate to you. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I just so you know, I have a million of them because I had a radio show for 11 years and I was on, I'm on TV every week. And, but the most pivotal, embarrassing moment of my life was I was, uh, what was I, probably 13, 14, in a spelling bee <laughs> in a Christian school. Uh, I was the eighth grader in the room, uh, spelling against th third graders. And second round of the spelling bee, my teacher, who was in charge of the whole event, said, Matt, spell the word lion. And I'm like, <laughs> lion? And I didn't know it like lion, like we're lying around. I didn't know what she meant. So I said, will you use that in a sentence? And she looked at me like, you are nuts. She said, <laughs> the lion roared in the jungle. Lion. And I said, oh, lion, L-O-I-N, lion. And she's like, nope, that's loin. <laughs> and I had third graders on the front row calling me loin boy. <laughs> and I oh, no. was devastated. So you're already weird anyway, because life is hard. And um, then the principal got up in front of the whole school and said, boys and girls, we've learned a really important lesson from Matt today. And the lesson is to always think before you speak. So thank you, Matt. <laughs> I was just like, oh my gosh. So I went down in history as loin boy. Oh no. <laughs> and um, it's, it's so sad. Most embarrassing moment of my life. Because right then, by the way, I actually burned out of me the, embarrass the, the ability to be embarrassed. <laughs> that, wow. I used it all up right then when I was like 14. <laughs> Is now it I don't embarrass very easily. It's interesting how, how those experiences experiences do go back to when we were young and uh -huh. then almost everything's attached to that from that right. first initial embarrassment it's so and it, true. And it builds it, from there isn't it weird and then that's it we call that a script by the way liz and then we run that script every single time and then all of a sudden if my wife embarrasses me i don't respond to it necessarily as a 50 year old i respond to it as a 14 year old boy Mm-hmm. They I just got embarrassed in the spelling bee in front that's of the right. school. <laughs> and that's, she's doing the same thing. That's so rude. So that's why sometimes we end up fighting like kids because oh. we're actually fighting the emotional scars of a 14 year old mm -hmm. or imagine a 15 year old girl who didn't like her body. So we end mm -hmm. up fighting like a 15 year old girl and a 14 year old loin boy. And yeah. all of a sudden <laughs> the fight, no wonder it gets so ugly. Yeah. So that's part of the history we can look at every time we talk to somebody is there's always a deeper story here. Awesome. Well, thank you for taking us down this path of being able to look at what's going on beyond the smoke and what the real problems are. We really appreciate you being on today, Matt. Thank you so, yeah, so thank much. You, Matt. Thank you both. Thank you. Thanks for having me. This was fun. Have you been enjoying the Arise and Thrive podcast? 
If you submit a review, we have got an offer for you. Click the link in the notes below this episode, enter your name and your email, and we will send you a free copy of our valuable beginner's guide to managing your emotion. And if you're enjoying the Arise and Thrive podcast, please hit subscribe and follow us on Instagram and Facebook. 